Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Hey, good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever this finds you, I'm going to throw in a couple more greetings. Merry Christmas. I know a little belated. And Happy New Year. We are at the end of 2023 and the beginning of 2024. I don't know when you'll hear this. This will come out on uh, December the 29th. So you'll have a couple of days to hear it before the beginning of the new year. I don't know how you treat a new year. For me, it's always been a, a pretty big deal. My, you know, my family, we used to watch uh, mom and dad and me and my twin sister especially. I don't remember as much with, with Mike. I think my brother Mike watched it as well. But Lawrence Welk, we watched Lawrence Welk and his orchestra uh, bring in the new year. We watched the ball drop. Uh, I believe Dick Clark was still, I mean, he was probably, I don't know, he lived to be 207. So I don't, I don't know. He may have been around back then as well. But I do remember the Lawrence Welk show. Yep, big band and uh, swing band and the orchestra. And so we watched, I, that's what I grew up on. I cut my teeth on that, believe it or not. And so when MTV came out with their stuff and all the, I don't even know who they're, I don't even know music groups anymore. I, I, we watched the ball drop. Uh, Pam and I peck each other on the lips and then we go to bed. <laughs> so, but the new year itself, that's New Year's Eve. The new year itself, it's a big deal for us. I know for me, a lot of times I like to take a, a, a longer walk very first as early as I can on New Year's Day morning just to kind of get that uh, going for me and just really thinking that uh, prophetically, but also in the physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, everything, all of that, you know. And also devotions. Devotions are really big for, I know me and Pam at least, we really, we put, we put a lot of thought and prayer into how we want to start the new year with the Lord. And I'm, I'm in my office at church taping this podcast for this week, and I'm looking right now at the devotions I have for this year, and I'm so pumped, or for next year, I'm so pumped. We And it's always good to finish devotions. It's always good to finish if you're on a Bible reading plan, or if you're on a devotional, 365-day devotional, whatever it might be. It's always good to finish, but it's always good to start. And so here we are right now, we're you know three, four days from finishing, and then three, four days from starting. And it's really, for us, I know Pam and I, and I know others out there probably listening right now, the beginning of a year is important. It's important for a devotional life. It's important to kind of start your January 1st. Uh, we don't believe in any superstitions. We don't believe, you know, that you have to have, what is it, black-eyed peas or you can't do laundry because if you do one thing, if you do something on the first day of the year, that means you're going to do it every... We don't believe in that. There's, And I hope you don't either. I hope you don't believe in any superstitions. I hope you don't believe. Uh, there are some fun things you can kind of talk about, and but be careful that you hang on to superstitions. We can quote some Bible verses about uh, being careful with silly superstitions and uh, things of um, things of that nature. So, but with that said, I do think it's important to set ahead this idea that hey, we're going to really look ahead to a new year. 
We are going to really think through how we're going to spend some time with the Lord and what our devotional life looks like. I think there's some, uh, there's a lot of scriptures obviously talk about being intentional, planning, thinking ahead, how we're going to actually spend our time with the Lord. So I'm pumped. I've got some devotionals that I think are going to take me even deeper with the Lord. Uh, I've got some things that are going to help me understand the Hebrew a little uh, deeper and better uh, and things that help me understand the Greek a little better and deeper. So I am excited to start the new year and uh, I am blessed that you are tuning in for the podcast, the last one for 2023. We are still going to continue the series of finding the the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, We are only, we've just scratched the surface. So, but I think we've got a lot of good stuff ahead here in the next few weeks in finding the the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit in uh in in the old testament so i'm surprised let me tell you i'm surprised that that term ruach hakadosh does not appear in the book of joshua i if i were a betting man i would have betted you that you would have found ruach hakadosh multiple times you don't find it any time in the book of joshua um i felt like you know, there are a couple other places that felt like the Lord may be leading me, and I was praying about either Joshua or Judges. So one of the J's was going to win, Joshua or Judges. Next week, we're probably going to be in Judges, and we may be in Judges. Uh, believe it or not, Ruach HaKadosh appears in Judges several times, several times. And it's one of those books I don't even like. I don't even like the book of Judges. Now, hear me well. I don't not believe in the book of Judges. I absolutely believe in every book of the Bible. But Judges is one of those books that just is, and we can talk about this next week, but it's just one of those disturbing books for me. There's a lot of raw, ugh stuff in the book of Judges. But, but I'm surprised. I'm looking, and as I'm studying, there's literally a dozen or more examples or appearances of Ruach HaKadosh, Holy Spirit in Hebrew, in the, judge, in the book of Judges. There's no references of Ruach HaKadosh in the book of Joshua. How is that? This is when Joshua takes him into the promised land. How do you get into the promised land without the Holy Spirit? Come on, how do you do that? Uh, how, do you, how do you battle every uh, Amorite and every uh, uh, Amalekite and every termite? How do, you, how do you battle every ite in, in, in the land without the Holy Spirit? Come on, you don't, but it's not mentioned in the book of Joshua. So there are two references I want to look at, and the only two references that the word Ruach. So remember, Ruach means the very, very, very basic. I mean, this you have to understand. There's lots and lots of levels of, of the Greek and Hebrew language. But the very, very base level of, of, of the word Ruach is spirit. Okay, spirit. And so that the word spirit is found twice in the book of Joshua, okay? Ruach HaKadosh is the, if you will, the, the, the formal term or the, uh, the proper name for the Holy Spirit. But Ruach can mean, at the very base level, it means spirit. Now, can it mean other words? It sure can, and we're going to see that right now. All right, so Joshua 2. Go to Joshua 2. If you know anything about Joshua, uh, Joshua 1 is that wonderful chapter uh, where uh, be strong and courageous is is repeated like, what, a hundred times? Well, it's repeated like, literally, I think it's repeated like a half a dozen times in, in, a, in a fairly short chapter in Joshua. Uh, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, because they're about to go into the promised land. They're, they're about to, 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 take, uh, to, to cross into the, the Jordan River. And that you find that in chapter 3. When chapter 2, um, you've got Rahab 
and you've got the Rahab, you got the story of Rahab, and you've got uh, the Rahab protecting the spies. You remember the story, right? The prostitute Rahab and the wall, living in, within the wall of Jericho, and and you've got that. Uh, and that's going to happen here a little later on uh, in chapter 6. But right now in chapter 3, they've sent the spies, I'm, cha- I'm sorry, chapter 2, they sent the spies out and the spies, or these are not the 12, right? These are the, um, the two, there are two spies. Two spies go out and they're spying the land. And as they go out, um, they say that, uh, they're looking at the they're looking at the wall of Jericho. They're looking against the city. They're looking at how fortified it is. They're looking to see how they can conquer it. And they're being protected by Rahab. All right. And so they're they're as they're in there. Let me. I want to pick up at verse eight, chapter two, verse eight. We're going to see Ruach appear in verse eleven. Okay, Joshua two eleven is where we're going first, and then we're going to go a little further a, a couple of chapters later, and then we'll wrap up for the for the podcast. But but good stuff here, and interesting stuff here, and I think we can make I think we can make some really good hermeneutical, biblically sound hermeneutical connections. I think there are some real bad connections that people make all the time in Scripture. There are really bad hermeneutical, uh, just like there's heresy. Uh, a lot of H words here to, uh, today, but H, uh, so heresy. Heresy is, is some truth, some biblical truth twisted. So it's almost like a, if you think of a pretzel twist, uh, whenever you think of a pretzel, uh, you almost always think of some kind of, if you're thinking about that big twisted bread, that, that braided bread, right? Well, that's kind of a, instead of being straight, I know there's straight pretzels out there. Somebody's going to say, well, they're straight pretzels. I know, I know. But work with me. So, but, but when you take the truth of Scripture and you twist it slightly, that's called heresy. Now, blasphemy is just simply a lie. Blasphemy is just simply a flat-out lie. But heresy almost always, if not always, leads to blasphemy. Another H word is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the interpretation of Scripture. It's how you learn how to interpret. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the very act of interpreting what Scripture means. There's some bad hermeneutics out there in our culture today. I won't go into all of it because it's just we just don't have that time. But let's just, I think you can think of it. If, you're, if you really think about it, there's a lot of bad hermeneutics. Here's what the Bible means. And here's what I have found the Bible to be interpreted. Here's what this passage means. Here's what this passage allows. Here's what this passage doesn't mean. And so there's a lot of bad hermeneutics out there. And so we want to be good in our hermeneutics. And then homiletics is, uh, is what is how you preach and teach what you've gleaned from the hermeneutics. Homiletics is just basically the preaching and the teaching. It's the verbal, uh, mainly verbal. It can, it can mean written, but it really the, the, the essence, the purity of the word homiletics means the verbal teaching and preaching of what you've interpreted. And, and so hermeneutics and homiletics go hand in hand. They, they really have to. So uh, there's some good hermeneutics and there's some bad hermeneutics. There's some good homiletics. There's some good, there's some bad homiletics. We're obviously always striving here at the Joshua Center and on the podcast and through the person and the power, whether it is a podcast, whether it is a devotional for the year, whether it's a book, whatever it is, it's a class. We are always after, obviously, good, sound, biblical hermeneutics that make good connections that are led by the Holy Spirit and full of the revelation of God. And so I think we are going to make a very good hermeneutical connection today. Okay, So I hope that all makes sense. We're going to, because you don't see Ruach HaKadosh. In fact, the word Ruach here is going to mean something different 
it's going to mean different here in just a few minutes. It's going to mean something different than spirit. And that's okay because it is, that's one of the definitions. It's one of the lesser definitions, but it is a definition of the word ruach in Hebrew. Okay, so we're going to pick up verse 8 in chapter 2. Before the spies went to sleep that night, chapter 2, verse 8 of Joshua, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Pay attention. Everyone in the land is living in terror. Pay attention. For we have heard, this is verse 10 now, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. Pay attention, verse 11. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the Ruach. Look at that. No one has the Ruach to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. No one has the Ruach. No one has the Ruach. To fight. Courage. The word ruach can mean courage. It can mean wind. It can mean breath. Again, remember, the very, very, very base definition is spirit. Very, de- very base definition, spirit. But, the, 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 but this definition is ruach. The, or this definition is courage. So what Rahab is saying is they've lost their... And I think this is where we're going to go to a little bit of hermeneutical connection. Big fancy word. We're just going to make a, a we're just going to make a biblical jump here. They've lost their courage. We can also say what they've lost their spirit. So spirit equals courage. In this fray, in this in this in this context, spirit equals courage. I think you know where I'm going. Come on. If we're filled with a rural kakadosh. We're going to be full of what? Courage, right? Come on, Wizard of Oz. I don't know why the Wizard of Oz, is it? Does anyone else, is anyone else like me? That's not a Christmas movie, is it? I've never thought of the Wizard of Oz as a Christmas movie. But as I was flipping channels over the last couple of weeks with, you know, Elf, Elf was on, you know, the, the movie Elf was on 175 times. Goodness gracious. The Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life. Hey, we indoctrinated Olivia, our youngest. Pam and I did with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart's classic, incredible movie, one of my favorite, probably my favorite, besides, I love the old, I love one of the, there's a thousand different Scrooges, right, but it's one of the Scrooges, uh, it's not the newest one, it's not the very oldest, oldest one, but there's one right in the middle I like a lot, uh, Charles Dickens' Scrooge, so I like the classic Scrooge, and I like It's a Christmas Story, I'm sorry, It's, it's a Wonderful Life, has Christmas movies, I never thought The Wizard of Oz was a Christmas movie, right? Come on, help me out, right? But why is the why was The Wizard of Oz on every channel? Every time I flipped it, there's a Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz. So Wizard of Oz, you know, you got these, you've got Dorothy, you've got uh, the Scarecrow, you've got the Tin Man, and you have, right? You have, uh, you have the Lion. Not not to leave out Toto, but you have the Lion, and the Lion was missing what courage. So we would say that the lion was not spirit-filled, <laughs> okay? So the lion was not spirit-filled, okay? Because if the lion were spirit-filled, he would have what? Courage. So courage. What, how does he do it? Courage. So, uh, so I think we can, make, we can, we, we can extrapolate. We can, we can draw from. We can kind of make the connection that when you have the Spirit of God in you, you have courage. When you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you don't have courage. 
Amen? I think we can say that, can't we? I think that's a good hermeneutical, biblical connection. All right, so we're going to go all the way to chapter 5, all right? So we're going to bypass the Israelites crossing the Jordan, chapter 3. Um, of course, we're going to finish, you're going to bypass the rest of Rahab. We're going to finish the rest, we're going to, we're going to move on from uh, 3 and 4, by the way, is the crossing of the Jordan. So at the end of the crossing of the Jordan, we're going to get to chapter 5, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time here, the next few minutes. We've got about 10 minutes left, so, so we're going to go about 10 minutes into chapter 5. So in chapter 5, first, uh, and this is the only other time, okay, this is the only other time you see Ruach in the book of Joshua. Only other time, and it does now mean something different than courage, all right? So listen to this, uh, although I think there is the same You'll, you'll get the same flavor. You'll get the same flavor. So verse 1, chapter 5. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost Ruach. They lost heart. It could be translated heart. It could be translated spirit. Or it could be translated, yes, courage. But they lost their, their will. They lost their will to fight. They lost heart. My translation says, the, the Hebrew is ruach. They lost ruach and were paralyzed with fear because of them. So here's where we're going to do a little bit more hermeneutical connection. All right. So here's the kings. Here's the kings of the Amorite, uh, Amorite clan, the kings of the Canaanite clan. And pay attention. So Rahab tells the spies that the people of Jericho were terrified because God had dried up a body of water called the Red Sea, the, the Egyptian crossing, right? The, Egypt, the crossing from Egypt. Well, now here, the Amorite kings and the Canaanite kings, they're fearful because they've heard about another drying up of the water. Now we're talking about the Jordan River. So here's God using two bodies of water, drying them both up, so his people could cross, and both times creating some kind of fear, paralyzing fear, according to chapter 5, uh, five verse 1. Paralyzing, paralyzing fear that, anybody know, come on, anybody know paralyzing fear? I know paralyzing fear, crippling fear. It just literally paralyzes you. What is it? What's the old saying? Uh, analysis? No, paralysis by analysis, right? And sometimes fear does that. You Paralysis by analysis, you know what that means, of course. It means that you analyze something so long that you just basically don't ever take any action. You've been paralyzed by analyzing it so much. Well, here's, here's the same kind of concept. Because of the, the hearing of this God of Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this, this, uh, this God of Israel, this God who dries up land, uh, bought big bodies of water, and even swollen, river, swollen rivers from flooding. They, he, this God who can dry up uh, wet river and sea land so it can be dry land so his people can cross. It causes other people who don't know him to be fearful and to lose heart. This losing heart is an interesting word. It, it, again, it means, in, in, the, in the actual Hebrew, it means there was no, it says this. Um, it, it, let me go back. It says, um, they melted. It says this, they melted because there was no spirit in them anymore. They melted. 
So it was almost so, so let's go back to Wizard of Oz, right? So who melted in the Wizard of Oz? I did not know that the Lord was going to take me to the Wizard of Oz today. But the Wizard of Oz, who melted, is the witch, right? Because water was thrown, right? Uh, they're trying to throw, I think, uh, put, uh, put Scarecrow out, right? Put the Scarecrow out and, 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 and water hit the witch and the witch melted. So it's almost that where their courage melted. So here we have... Uh, so if we can make this uh, this hermeneutical connection, with the Spirit of God, you have courage. With the Spirit of God, if you're filled with the Ruach HaKadosh, you're also filled with Ruach. Okay? So if you're filled with the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, you must be filled with Ruach, which is courage. Here in the Old Testament, courage was almost like... So we have the New Testament fruit of the Spirit. Hmm... Maybe there's a little bit of the Old Testament fruit of the Spirit. In fact, I guarantee there is. Never mentioned. It's not. It's not necessarily in a, like in a ninefold list. You know. You know. Love, peace, patience, kindness. It's. 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 But you have. You can find the fruit of the Ruach Hakodesh in the Old Testament. One of the fruits, courage. When you are missing the Ruach Hakodesh, you're missing. You're missing courage. In fact, not only are you missing courage, what happens? According to chapter five, verse one, you melt. You melt. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I just love that. You melt. So you have, the, you have the propensity to melt. Why? Because the Spirit is not in you. They lost their spirit. They lost their Ruach. Now, we're going to move on really quick for the last few minutes here. And I love this passage. We probably won't be able to do it justice with the few minutes we have left. But um, my, my dear friend, mentor and friend and brother, Steve Siemens, uh, a professor now retired from Asbury, a wonderful man of God. We, we are blessed to meet on a regular basis. And, uh, but he came to share this devotional thought through this passage in the end of chapter 5 with the Joshua Center when we were when in our leadership retreat uh, back last earlier this year. Um, and, but he took us into Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15. And I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down and we'll end, okay? But here's chapter 5, Joshua 5, 13 through 15. Understand, the word ruach is not in this passage. You've already seen the only two times in the entire book of Joshua where the word ruach is mentioned, Joshua 2.11 and Joshua 5.1. But listen to this at the end of Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this point, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? To the commander of the Lord's, then the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did as he was told. I, again, we're not going to do justice to this. We could do a whole podcast on this, I think. So Joshua, what's he doing? Before the battle of Jericho, he's, he's, he's roaming around near the town of Jericho. You know what he's doing? He's sizing up the wall, guys. And I think because he was sizing up the wall and because he was noticing how tall the wall was, I think he was losing Ruach. I think you can make a biblical supposition, a biblical connection. I think you can make a hermeneutical connection that says, because I, 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 I just think that here he is. He's at, why is he at the wall? He's at the wall because he's sizing up, he's, he's near the town because he's sizing up the wall. 
and he's sizing up the wall. He sees a man and he goes instantly and you get this understanding that he goes right up to him and demands. He says he demands, meaning if you're foe, if you're from Jericho, I'm cutting you down. If you're not, okay, we're, we're fine. But here he is. He's already ready to fight. He's, he's nervous about this day of battle. He's not sure what's going to happen. I guarantee that. And, and then here he is. He's, 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 he's facing this, this friend or foe he doesn't know. And then he says, the, 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 the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus? Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Neither one. I think it, it has to. I, I think it's Jesus, by the way, because what happens here in just a second, right? Neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At, at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command. What do you want your servant to do? A couple of things here. Number one, um, the commander of the Lord's army did not say, get up. Any other time that we see that someone is bowing before an angel, what does the angel say? Get up. I am not to be worshipped. This commander of the Lord's army did not say, get up. I think he was worthy of worship. Number two, uh, Joshua's response. And Joshua's response is he falls down in front of him and says, I am at your command. You tell me what to do. I believe he's saying, you tell me how to win this battle. You tell me how to win this battle. You tell me how to win this battle that I'm facing, this huge wall. How, how am I going to win this battle? All right. I think that's why he's saying, tell me what to do. All right. The commander of the Lord's army replies, basically, worship me. Take off your sandals. Remember your mentor, Moses? He, I know, I guarantee you, Moses told the story to Joshua. Remember when I first heard, I heard the Lord when I was on the backside of a mountain and I saw a burning bush and I took off my sandals because the angel said, you're on holy ground. Guaranteed, guaranteed. This brings him back to remembrance. And what does he do? He just simply says, you're on holy ground. And Joshua did as he was told. He fell on his face, worshiping God. I believe Joshua found Ruach that day. I believe Joshua would this. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have Ruach, but if you pair up Joshua 1, be strong in what? Come on, come on, come on. Be strong in what? Courageous, right? And here in chapter 2, you see that the, uh, that the whole town of Jericho had lost what? Courage. Why? Because they heard about God. Then you hear about the king of the Amorites and the king of the Canaanites. And what they lost, their hearts had melted because they had lost any kind of spirit to fight because they heard about God. And here Joshua is about to fight the biggest battle, the biggest, most famous battle of his life probably. And he has probably lost a little bit of his Ruach. Well, he finds his Ruach. Why? Because he worships God. Come on. Come on. If you are needing some Ruach today, if you're needing some courage today, if you're needing some courage from the Ruach HaKadosh, I invite you to worship God. Wherever you're at right now, just worship Him. Declare how big He is, how great He is. And I have a feeling you might get all the courage you'll need. Be blessed. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.